Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang. And today joining me, Autumn Windbags. We have RJ Clifford and Juan Soto here. And this is my new studio. Wanted to show everybody, if you're listening, I am in a brand new Vegas Nation studio that is brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download that mobile app today. We're also presented to you on Blue Wire Podcast by Liquid Death. Crush the can. RJ, you could probably do this. You're like trained and fighting crush. Oh, I thought you were talking about like if it was full of malt liquor, I'd be able to crush oh, it right away, this, which is also accurate. That yeah, is actually the perception. Yep. People think that it is malt liquor. This is, in fact, mountain spring water. How about oh. that? Yeah. Good death. All right. So into the show, Raiders offseason, six wins, not really what anybody expected or wanted. You two are some of the biggest fans. Your show, Autumn Windbags, you cover it all, like literally everything. I love it. One of the things I love is the social media aspect of it. When you guys are talking about Kardashians, what mm-hmm. their car is and isn't saying, Juan, you put out some great stuff on social media. Um, the statement that Derek went out and made recently about getting ready to kind of tell their story, preparing to talk about it. There's been all this talk from David about the Harvester podcast and when they're going to start doing that. What have been your thoughts, first of all, Juan, since you put out the memes and things like that? My best work. What should Derek be doing as he navigates this new process from being not a Raider to being courted by other teams and the potential talk of where he could land? How do you think that he should best navigate this right now on social media? You know, just talk about the support he's getting, and that's about it. All the other stuff... Don't talk about anything until you're ready to talk about something. Cause it's like, I'm advertising. I have something to say, but I'm such a great guy. I'm not going to say it yet, but later I will say it. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you're going to say something, if you have something to say, either go ahead and say it or don't say anything at all. RJ, do you like, think yeah, it affects a yeah. stock? Well, I'm with, I'm with Soto in that. Um, like what can you say here? Right. If you're going to like, you're trying to be as valuable as possible, right? Like you've got potentially 31 other teams to go. Do you have a no trade clause? Like you want to go where you want to go and you want to look as good as possible. You're a free agent, right? It's just standard operating procedure. But I can also understand where he's like, everyone and their mom is hitting him up. Like, what's the story? What's the dirt? Come do an interview. Come do a podcast. Come on my show. Come on. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And he's kind of like, no, like, here's my like blanket to everybody. I'm not saying anything like I'm not doing it right. Like he could have, he should have just said that instead of like, I know something y'all don't know, but I do get why he's like, guys, just like, stop. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing an interview on this, especially right now when my future is like in the balance where I'm going to go, where I'm going to play, where I'm going to live. Like that's in the balance right now. I'm like, your interview is not important to me. I think too, he has the brothers all around him. We all know this. And David's going on doing these like promos on Twitter and uh, I think Instagram as well that it went on to about the Harvester podcast. Like, we're not going to talk about it yet, but when we talk about it, you're going to be ready for when it drops and all this excitement about it. Like, should David kind of be pulling off the gas too a little bit? What's your thought, RJ? I wish my brothers supported me the way the Carr brothers support each other. Like, if I was going through some 
my brother's going to kick me when I'm down. They'd be Soto making memes of me. Like they would be like all this, like these guys are willing to embarrass themselves in support of their brother, which I appreciate, which Max. is okay. That's a good, that's a, that's a good brotherhood there. But also like, that's what David Carr does. He's a television host and he's looking for ratings. He's looking for interaction. And he has a relationship with, uh, you know, a three-time Pro Bowl quarterback free agent that people, it's, it's on, you know, anyone who needs a quarterback, they're kicking, they're at least kicking the tires on Derek Carr, if not, you know, already talking with Ziegler about what's going to take to trade him, right? And so he's going to be, um, so he's be, he's being talked about. And David Carr's like, this is my chance to shine, right? Like, this is my chance. Like, Derek Carr's in the news. I'm going to be in the news. I love it. But you think about two one, just the possibility of what happens now with that position for the Raiders. What is your dream quarterback? You know, I, I would like a, I would say, you know what? Aaron Rodgers would be good because mm-hmm. you know he's not going to play that long. And if we can trade back maybe a few spots in the first round to get some more draft capital, but still be able to get like an Anthony Richardson okay. at like 12, 11 or 12 ish around there. I don't want to trade. I, I, I'm thinking we should do what Jimmy Johnson did in what was it 89 when he traded back, like almost every single round, he traded back a, a few spots and got more picks. They end up getting a ton of picks. If we can get that many players, cause you know, no, what do we got? What do we need? And what's what's healthy in the draft, right? Uh, DBs are healthy in the draft. You got some good linemen. There's depth there. So if you can get a quarterback that is smart, is a little bit more dynamic than Carr was, and he doesn't want to play too long, you can you can develop that younger quarterback early, and you can get more picks. RJ, do you think that they need to go at number seven with a quarterback if there is a good one available? Do you like the idea of trading back or do you think that there's like some really good offensive and defensive line talent that they should just stay at seven and try to go with one of those? Well, it's interesting because you brought up like, you know, the original question is like, what, what's the dream scenario? And the dream yeah. scenario is we get a Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and they turn out to be the real deal. And they're the quarterback for 15 years. Like that's, that's the dream, right? That's the hope. But the Raiders have so many holes all over the place outside of the skill position that it's like, do you trade up to get Bryce Young and miss out on two spots where you need? So I don't know. I've been talking about this ever since, like before the season even ended, we're just like trade back, trade back, volume, 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 because there's this myth. There's no such thing as a GM that never misses in drafts. Like that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like there's, there's some really terrible drafters out there, John Gruden. And then there's yeah. guys that are like a little bit better, but there really isn't like people always talk about, Oh, Bill Belichick. He's so great with the draft. Like he's, his team is full of home drafted guys. It's not that he's, his hit percentage is higher. It's just that he just has a ton of draft picks. Like he's just so good at getting conditional rounds and trading guys away and getting picks before they're all like numbers. It's a numbers game. Usually the shotgun approach. And we, cause we have, especially with the Raiders who have a million holes to fill, especially on defense and O line. Yeah. Juan, what's your thought on that with the positional need? There's just so many, so much volume and so much talent in positions that we need. Basically, everything on the defense and offensive line, especially I, th- I like a lot of the interior offensive linemen later in the draft. There's just so many of them. It's it's hard not to like fall into a bunch of picks. You know what I'm saying? There's just so much volume, especially like secondary stuff late in the draft. Maybe there's it's 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 top heavy, but there's also a lot of depth in both of those positions. So yeah, shotgun approach, trade back as many times as you can and still get the guys that you want. And if there's a guy that maybe you see that you want, that's going to fit a, a really big need and, and you're really high on, you can use some of those picks that you're getting extra to, to move up if you need to. 
And I also don't think, I think Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler realize that they're on the hot seat here, right? Yeah. Like if this, if next season starts off, like goes like this season, like they're not going to make it to the end of the season. Right. And so do they really want to start off with a rookie quarterback right out of the gate in a Josh McDaniels system? That's super complicated. I don't think so. So if they, if one of these like good, like really big quarterbacks fall to number seven, right? Like, you know, like a Richardson or I don't know, Stroud, like let's say it does happen, right? There's going to, they're going to have offers. They're going to have 10 offers, right? You take that offer, right? You trade back. You give me a couple other first round picks. You give me some picks for that quarterback. Cause I think they're going to go veteran. I think they're going to go veteran Josh McDaniels quarterback um, because they have to do something this next season that they're not going to get back to back seasons of rebuilding. Both of you Raider fans. I know how it feels probably to look at the idea of Tom Brady taking over this offense. Are you for or against it? I'm for winning. I don't care who's there. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care who the, I don't care. I don't buy any current player jerseys for a specific reason. I don't care who's there. I just want to win. I buy retired player jerseys all day. I, I do not play. I don't, I won't buy any. I almost got burned by Khalil Mack, but I didn't buy his jersey. I said, no, I can't do it because you never know. And look yeah. what happened. I don't care who's there. Just win. How this is you? how far I go in that, in that exact same theory. My wife got me, uh, I'm a King, King's fan for hockey right i like kings yeah. fan she got me a kyle clifford jersey because when inevitably when he was chain traded i still have a jersey that says clifford on it so it's not so it's not wasted right like that's how far that's how far we are in the soto thinking in the clifford household it's like oh yeah we'll buy jerseys players but it's got to have the same last name or it's got to be one that we can reuse exact same thing like tom brady tom brady fits a lot and in, in this like all right we've we've, we've got a skill positions that can win now yeah. Um, Tom Brady knows obviously the Josh McDaniel system getting Tom Brady would, you know, bring in free agents that want to follow him. Um, all those things, right. I just don't buy Tom Brady wanting to go to the Raiders. I mean, the guy's been a front runner his entire career. He's always had a top five, top 10 defense. He's had uh, when he doesn't have an amazing offensive line, he's going to be, you know, 900 years old next season, right? Like he needs, he has to be protected with a very good O line. Yeah. which the Raiders currently do not have. So like, I, I think that makes, I think it'd be great. It'd be a, you know, you would do so much for a franchise that needs some stability. You know, the kind of culture that he'd bring to a, to a franchise in the last 20 years, it's been so dysfunctional. Like he would bring a lot of good. Um, I just don't buy him wanting to take that on at 46 with potentially one last season. I just, I just don't buy him doing that. And most importantly, I'd have to come with a new nickname for him. Cause they can't call my quarterback tuck rule. Tommy, like it just wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be fair. Yeah, you definitely have to think about that. Put some names on a drawing board. Think about what comes forward. And when you think about, like you said, the offensive line, I don't know that some of those guys come back. You have to think about with Andre James. Is he still going to be the center? Is it going to be a Luminor? Does Parham move over to the center position? And Andre's like challenging to start. I, I just don't know right now, aside of Colton Miller, and that Dylan Parham will be somewhere on the line. But outside of that, you're looking at possibly getting three new positions. Is that troubling, do you think, to try to sell Las Vegas to any other quarterback on the outside? Or is Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs enough? I think that the way that the offensive line improved as the year went along, it, it's kind of a, a selling point saying this is going to be a second season. These guys are going to be together. We're going to improve it. Like Alex Barr, sorry, man, you're you're a Raider for us and everything, but you just you couldn't you couldn't cut it unfortunately and 
could, could be a great guy, but on the field, he just got, he got used too many times. So we're going to upgrade. Illuminor played really well. I think, um, you know, the last two, two seasons he played under McDaniels, he played really well uh, in New England the last, a few years ago. So, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not that down on Andre James. I think he can be a steady influence, but I par him probably does seem to be like the has a higher ceiling. Uh, but I, I don't think it's that dire. Uh, because they did, they didn't improve vastly throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. The momentum, the momentum was on their side. Um, they still were, they still never really good. And and this is the weird thing about O lines, right? Like it's, it's not. They need to be greater than the sum of their parts. Like they, like the more, like that was always what I thought the strategy was for the Raiders starting this season. Is like, okay, if we're young, healthy, they can grow together as a unit and become better than the sum of their parts. I mean, we're not like littered with pro bowlers, right? Like, you know, like the Eagles or like the Cowboys line or something like that. But if they can play well together and mesh, then we can, that's where we can save our money, right? We're spending all this money on skill position players. We can save some money with an O-line that can kind of work together. And that sort of happened. I think, I don't think they go nuts at O-line. I think they bring in guys that can improve and have it be open competition. I think it's like, all right, we're going to draft some more guys, maybe pick up a couple of free agents, May the best unit stay, right? May the best unit stay. They've talked multiple times about how they don't believe in like five guys because no one ever stays healthy. They want basically eight starters and they just kind of figure it out as the season goes on. So I think that's kind of the same thing they'll do next season. All right, let's take a quick break right there. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the things that the windbags have been talking about when we come back here on the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $100 on your first deposit. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Welcome back to the Takeaways Edition at the Vegas Nation podcast. It's Heidi Fang with RJ Clifford, Juan Soto. They are the Autumn Windbags joining me here on the show. I wanted to get your take on something that I heard you guys talking about. Who did Tom Brady say goodbye to? Was it over? Is he going to step back? Like you said, RJ, the AG is 900, 900 years old. 900 going on 901. Yeah, I don't want to exaggerate. That's not fair to him. (laughs) When when you're that age, quarterback years and you've taken some he hasn't been hit that much in his career but any of the physicality at this point probably a little bit more difficult so when you think about being tom brady you're saying goodbye are you just kind of reflecting because it's been a huge emotional year or are you looking back on everything at this point and deciding if you want to even come back yeah you know you know i 
uh, uh, like therapists and like scientists will always say like the actual words is only so much of communication it's the body language. And that's what I got out of the Tom Brady goodbye um, after their final loss. It wasn't so much like just the words he said, but kind of how he was saying it. Like after a loss, Brady's like pissed. He's stoic, short answers. This because he was smiling, being gracious. Like I thought he was going to invite the, all the media to his house after for like tea and crumpets. Like he's, it did not <laughs> feel like Tom Brady. It felt like someone with a lot of weight off their shoulders. And you see that like, you know, you're a mixed martial arts person, Heidi. Like yeah. after when fights are over, you almost see a physical transformation in fighters where all the pressure, all the buildup, all the stress, all the preparation, the fight's over, win or lose. And they're just kind of go, <sighs> okay, weights off the shoulders. And that's what it felt like with, with Tom Brady. It sounded more like a goodbye to Tampa Bay as opposed to goodbye to football, but it was, it was a very staunch goodbye to something. I really wish that in football, it would be like MMA because they start to take their gloves off. They leave them there in the ring, in the octagon. You know that they're done. So it's like, I wish you had that in the same aspect in football. Like they take off their helmet and their shoulder pads and put it on the logo on the 50 yard line and they yeah. walk away <laughs> symbolically. But one, has, do you think he's done anything in that kind of a sense? Like that's been symbolic that he's done? You know, it just like RJ said, some of the body language, like he was just leaning so hard on that podium. He was like, he was like, Oh, I'm so tired. I, this has been going on for so long. And I never heard him talk that way. I never heard him say, even when he left new England, I, he, I, I don't remember him saying, Hey, local guys, you guys do a great job. Thank you so much for being gracious with your time. And thank you so much for respecting my time and stuff like that. He got very personal with the local media there. And it seemed like, okay, it almost like it's almost like what you want to have happen. If you want him to keep playing, if you want him to play for the Raiders, oh, he's just saying goodbye to Tampa Bay. But if you're like, well, I don't really care what he does, it, it kind of seems like he's just uh, tired. Like, oh, I need to like lean on something because I'm just so emotionally drained. And honestly, I don't know if he's gonna want to put himself through that again. Especially when you have a deal waiting for you to be a broadcaster oh, yeah. for hundreds of millions of dollars, like. That has to probably figure into it, right, Juan? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like it's not like he doesn't have any other options here. Yeah. If it's like, yeah, you know, if if they want to give me thirty-seven million dollars to play, what all the choice do I have? Sit at home and spend money? Okay, fine. I'll go make another, you know, thirty-seven million. But if I have that same amount waiting for me on a whatever ten-year deal that I signed, yeah, I'm gonna want to do that instead, or I'm gonna have to think a lot harder on that. This is single Tom Brady now too. Like such yeah. a different time. Like this is a Tom Brady that's been on Bumble the last few months. Like maybe that's why he's so much more personable. He's used to like chatting up with strangers. Like he's, he hasn't had to do that in a long time. He's out partying with Gronk. Yeah. Like, right? you know, that's why he's tired. He's hung over from Gronk time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, imagine if those two, I don't know if Gronk would come out, but if they got back together, do you think Gronk would entertain it? If Tom was playing for the Raiders and said, let's go. I think if anyone could talk him into it, I think it would be Tom Brady. If anyone can talk him into it, it'd be like, hey, Gronk, I need you to meet me at Sapphires. We have a business <laughs> meeting. I'm going to show you what we can do in Vegas. I'm going to show you what it's like playing in Las Vegas. I dare you to tell me oh. no, Gronk. I double dare you. <laughs> Single Tom and Gronk in Vegas is oh, not man. a good idea. For all the reasons that we're saying, like, Vegas is fine. I mean, everybody's going to be focused when they get here. This might be the example of where it's not. <laughs> yeah. but, it's like very old Raiders though, right? A lot of like the old Raiders back, back in the day, just partying and getting into fights and getting drunk and then going onto the field and kicking out. 
And, mean, and it was it, it was kind of scary there for a little bit, Heidi. I mean, Rugs, Jacobs DUI, Damon Arnett getting in trouble, like Nate Hobbs passing out, Hobbs, in front of, yeah. you know, out, out Dre's parking lot. Like yeah. there was a little bit of a period where it kind of felt like maybe Vegas would be too much. It's been quiet for a while, which is great. But I don't know. What do you think? Like, I, it, I mean, you can't like you have to go past the strip when you land at the airport to get to like Summerlin. Like, like you People say like, oh, you can find trouble in any city. I'm like, yeah, like I'm not driving by 13 five-star strip clubs in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like it's a little, it's a, it is a little different in Vegas. I'll give you that. But for the most part, I figure like if you get somebody like a Colton Miller that seems so grounded as a player, that mm -hmm. I think just needs to now be a part of the repertoire, how you decide on a player that's going to come in, like how solid is that head on their shoulders, you know? And Damon Arnett was just brandishing guns on social media. So I don't know how much that had to do with anything, but <laughs> as far as Vegas, you know, goes and the influence, but I think that anybody here, as long as you stay focused and committed to what it is that you need to get done, like I barely go to the strip, but I'm also old and I just don't do that. I'm a homebody. So <laughs> a little different for me, as opposed to a guy that has millions of dollars and endless like entourage and people to go hang out with at any time that you want to without children. Yeah. I always have to think about that part. Babysitters. These guys have nannies. Yeah. <laughs> so I digress, but I wanted to talk to about the playoffs, what you've seen from the final four teams. You have 49ers, Eagles, uh, these teams that have made it in um, obviously the chiefs and the Bengals. What is it about them that has separated them from the pack? Is it quarterback? Is it offensive line? Is it solid defensive play that makes them good? And how do the Raiders start to build that for themselves here? What do you think, RJ? Well, I mean, they, all four teams have all four of those, right? Like fantastic quarterbacks, uh, above average, if not great defenses, um, and solid offensive line play. Like they've got it and, 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 uh, and credentialed solid coaches that know what they're doing. And they've got kind of like their own little thing, right? Like, Somehow the Bengals have convinced themselves that like no one believes in them and they're underdogs. Like you were in the Super Bowl last year, like the mental gymnastics required to be like, oh man, we're the nobodies that has new kids on the block. It's like, okay, whatever. Right. Uh, the Eagles just like, they found their like very specific brand of football yeah. and the way the Niners have been able to rally around Brock Purdy and just playmakers everywhere. And Shanahan's brilliant offensive scheme. And then arguably the best defense in football. Like they all kind of found their own little brand. And that was my biggest my biggest pet peeve with specifically the Raiders defense last season was like, not just that it was bad, but it had like no real identity under gas under Gus Bradley. It was a bad defense over like, okay, we're gonna keep everything in front of us. You're not going to hit big plays on us. And that didn't, and that really didn't happen. It was rare that, that, you know, a 45 yard bomb, would, would beat the Raiders, but they would nickel and dime us to death. And the red zone was terrible, but we had an identity, not good, but we kind of knew what we were trying to do. Under Patrick Graham, I didn't know what that was. Like, we gave up big plays. We gave up little plays. Guys were able to, to grind us down. Uh, we had moments where the defense played good. It was never never more than a half at a time. Um, just a defensive identity, I think, should be the, the number. Obviously, quarterback's number one. Defensive identity should be the next big priority. One, in some sense, did you look at what uh, Brian Dayball did with the Giants defense and compare it at all to what you saw to Patrick Graham with this Raiders defense this year? 
Well, I think Patrick Graham left a much more talented defense behind in New York. There's, the talent is there. The talent is just better. You can start there. All up and down their defense, they just have better players. Uh, we have a lot of guys that were signed late, a lot of guys that wouldn't start on other teams, some guys that are maybe a little bit past their prime, uh, and maybe one or two guys that you can really use as building blocks moving forward. Other than that, you just got a, a bunch of guys that were just, you know, what do they call them? They call them Jags, just guys, yeah. just a guy. They just what they are. You have a bunch of guys there that you're looking to, hopefully they can take that next step and like a Deron Harmon and, and play above what they have in the past. But other than that, guys played like who they were. Um, and it's just, that's the first thing is to defensively talent-wise. Now, let's not talk about, or you I want to maybe touch on a little bit about how offense can hurt your defense. Because on a lot of these games that we lost, our offense didn't do anything in second halves of games. So you have a defense that's playing above themselves, who's already lacking talent, and then they're tired and worn down at the end of games because you keep throwing them back on the field after three and outs and three and outs. Of course, they're going to give up points. And when you're not scoring and you have the bulk of the, the cap on the offense and the offense isn't coming through at the end of the game, something's got to give. That's a great point that you made there, that the defense would make those stops. Uh, not every game, but there were a lot of occasions where they did, and then the offense didn't come through for him. So there's uh, a lot to be worked out, I think, in the offseason. If you had to prioritize what you look at in the offseason, what's the first positional need that you try to take care of? What is it for you, RJ? Well, the obvious answer is quarterback, right? Like, we got to have got to have a quarterback. That's like kind of the no-brainer. Um, after that, I'd say from quarterback and cornerback. Um, we got to be able to cover these fantastic receivers that we're going to be playing against in the AFC West and all throughout like the, the receiver play in the NFL is just getting so goddamn good. Um, and we're not going to really be able to move on from Chandler Jones because of his contract. So we really can't afford to pick up another really good defensive end to play opposite Max Crosby. We're just kind of stuck with Jones for the foreseeable future. So right. um, getting pressure is going to be premium. Hopefully it's going to be Crosby and maybe some defensive tackles can get some pressure. Uh, but other than that, like, uh, all, all three, all three layers of defense. We need help, but I would say, I would say, quarterback one, cornerback two. How about for you, one? For sure, it's the same. It, we gotta gotta have a quarterback, and you have to have a guy that defends quarterbacks, which is your entire secondary. <laughs> I'm not sold. I'm not. Sorry. All right, you right over there. Have some yeah, of that. You're saying you're full of liquid. It. Liquid I believe death. what you're saying. Get some <laughs> of that liquid death over there. No, but it's an entire secondary. I'm not sold on our safeties. I think draw. Uh, um, Merrick took a step back this last year. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the, the draft is chocked full of corners and safeties that are are very accomplished and, and really good. So hopefully we can snag some of those guys. And like RJ said, just it's it's hard to pinpoint one and two because the entire defense just needs an influx of talent. Volume, just 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 yeah. volume. Just keep just trade back, get picks, yeah. just start throwing bodies in there until we get somebody that works. As we start to wrap things up, I wanted to get one more take on something with Derek Carr, something I've been thinking about. Was it that he was just kind of struggling to pick up the McDaniels offense more so than it was that McDaniels' offense is super complex and it would take anybody more than a year to pick it up? What do you kind of put it on? Ultimately, I think the marriage didn't work for the same reason a lot of marriages don't work. They just didn't communicate. They were just not, they were mismatched. Um, and as the season went on, you saw cars play regress. So as he got more comfortable and more knowledge and more used to the system, he started playing worse. And so it wasn't, 
don't think that, that was the issue. I think he just had lost trust because he he took his uh, Joshua Daniels criticism more personal than football. And I think the way that Carr did that is the way a lot of Carr fans look at Carr, where they want the player to match the person. And he's a great person and not a great player. And uh, that that mesh between, you know, that link between personal and football, I think is a little bit too tight from Derek Carr. And he couldn't separate the 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 criticism and coaching, especially in front of his teammates, and probably and probably lost trust with uh, with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was a combination of nine years of watching this franchise fiddle around and screw around and not have a direction. Plus, Josh McDaniels that eventually just broke Carr. I mean, this is his worst statistical season since his rookie year. Yeah, like he didn't just get bad. Like he averaged in the last three seasons a ninety eight quarterback rating. That dropped 12 points this season, right? Like something changed. He's not as bad as he played this season. So it's what, it's what Soto said. I think the, the McDaniels car relationship specifically square peg round hole, like use whatever euphemism you want. Just didn't work nine seasons of this, just weighing down on him. We're talking about Tom Brady having weight off his shoulders. I hate to say it. Cause I love the Raiders when Derek Carr leaves somewhere, it's going to be more stable than here. And he's going to see what that's finally like. Uh, it was, um, it was a slow burn and a quick exit all kind of at once. It was like the perfect vortex of problems that, that led to this terrible offensive unit this year. Or the bomb cyclone, as they call those storms that come over the East Coast, turn into these crazy spirals of snow. Yep. <laughs> Hurricane McDaniels. Exactly. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to like, oh, let's, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina, Derek Carr. You know what I'm saying? It's just... Like oh the the years of of getting ground down by the by the franchise. Look, everything was hunky dory as long as he was seen as the leader, the guy to look up to, the counselor. Like that's the that's the standard, right? As soon as he started getting his mail in front of all of his teammates, and maybe he felt he was like he was losing a little bit of status. That's when he started to implode. That's when he started crying in front of uh you know in press conferences. That's when he started to call out teammates, which he normally doesn't do. And, right. you know, that's when teammates started to question him because you look at this is this star leader. This is the guy and he's screwing up left and right. And, we, you know, and Hondo's uh, um, article said that the teams were starting to question cars play. That's definitely something that I think you could see as you were looking down the pipe at some of these opponents and the way that they were attacking them. They were just trying to work on car contain car a lot more often than not. But autumn wind bags here. Trial show news studio. Thank you so much, you guys, for beautiful joining me. studio. You know, so we were on our best behavior because we were in like a I nice know. studio. We were like, we were I'm like a little like disappointed. Like, like, oh, let's be calm. I did not say nice. one curse word. We didn't swear once, not one <laughs> time. fart joke for how for this entire. That's a new record for us, Heidi. You, I can't you, believe you, it. Yeah, you, oh, you guys you, cleaned up for me. You cleaned so us up. Proud. Yeah, but first, tell me Just what's coming you. up on windbags before you guys head out. Uh. Uh, our big show comes out every single Thursday, both on YouTube and wherever you can get your podcasts. A uh, ton of other stuff on YouTube as well. Um, Soto's doing a lot of live shows with whenever news breaks. Um, we do our group shows as well. And um, yeah, we'll start doing interviews again with um, now that it's the off season. Um, just all the, again, the sophisticated and fart jokes you've come to love from the I autumn windbags. Just more of the same. Thank you so much for joining me here today, you guys, both of you, RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, give him a follow at the Autumn Windbags. Instagram is the Autumn Windbags. Yeah, and Twitter is the Windbags. There's another Autumn Windbags somewhere on Twitter that got it before us. We got to call him out. Let me find out who it is. 
yeah. and see who that eggshell is and if we could crack them. But thank you guys <laughs> so much. On <laughs> Appreciate you coming on and we'll be talking soon here on the Vegas Nation podcast. Make sure to catch all of our shows three times a week with Vinny Bonsignor, Sam Gordon, Ed Graney, Adam Hill, and I'm Heidi Fang. Give me a follow at Heidi Fang and check out all that we're doing during the offseason to keep you up with the Raiders on VegasNation.com. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $100 on your first deposit. 